COVID has forever changed the events industry. The Global Conference will be a hybrid experience moving forward, which gives an opportunity to folks that are not able to attend in person to still be engaged and participate. In March 2019, I was among the 42,500 people and more than 1,300 companies that descended on Orlando for the annual HIMSS Global Health Conference and Exhibition. I've attended at least a couple of handfuls of times, and I always return with more knowledge and a few more friends in the health IT world. Fast forward a year later, and the run of 57 consecutive conferences ended. HIMSS 20, like all industry shows, was canceled due to the COVID pandemic. The show organizers had honest and valuable conversations and continued to provide resources and tools to their global healthcare members. I continue the tradition of, prior to HIMS, catching up with HIMS Meeting Services Vice President Karen Malone and Professional Development VP Joanne Kleindienst to talk about the planning and to get a few tidbits of what will be new. So before we dive into the task at hand and the big questions that everyone's asking, including me, I want to ask how you've been uh, when the pandemic hit and through the last year, did you bake more? Did you read? Did you journal? Did you play the piano? What did you ladies do? Joanne, why don't you start? Sure, and and thank you so much. It's really a pleasure to be here. I actually am a knitter, and I have knitted up a storm. There's a term called a UFO, which is an unfinished object. So I took a, a look at my stash, and I did lots of knitting. Yeah, and, and this is Karen. Joanne, I'm very disappointed. You haven't sent me anything that you oh. Oh, see, uh-oh. <laughs> but let's see, I've spent a lot of time, quality time with my dog. She's a wonderful Labradoodle, almost 12 years old. And I think she's completely confused as to why I'm home all the time right now. We've done a lot of walking and it's been really lovely. We got a golden doodle about four years ago. His name is Toby and he loves walks and he expects two walks a day. And I can't always fulfill that, especially in the winter. But take me back to March. What was the first thing that came to your minds when you had to cancel the show? And then what was the first thing you did? I'd say the first thing that came to mind was, you know, the health and safety of our our attendees and exhibitors in our community. And looking back, you know, we're so proud of what we had prepared to be able to present to our audience, the healthcare community for HIMSS 20. We'd worked so hard on it for many years. You know, a lot of folks don't realize the amount of timing and planning and the length of time it takes to put on this program. Attendance was really at a record level. So, and a lot of folks, I don't think, realize that what we were anticipating record breaking attendance. We were going to have large scale education and training programs that had been prepared. You know, and we were having global elected leaders there, um, and emerging political leaders were also scheduled to participate and make announcements. So, we were ready to gather. We really were ready to be there to impact change in healthcare. But in the run up to the conference, you know, HIMSS was in constant conversation with the city of Orlando, the Florida Department of Public Health, some reps from the World Health Organization and Centers for Disease Control on safety protocols, guidelines, the status of COVID and all of that. And as an organization, we made every effort to safely host HIMSS 20. However, during that week of March 2nd, it just became clear and clear that the risks related to COVID-19, they were rapidly increasing so fast. So in the best interest of public safety, including, you know, looking at all of our attendees, the, the entire healthcare community, right, um, their families and communities, we, we had to make a decision to cancel the event. Days later, on March 11th, of course, as we all know, um, what would have been in the middle of our meeting, the global pandemic was officially declared. And HIMSS has 
830 million touch points in hospitals and care delivery settings. And we really felt above and beyond anything, it was our responsibility to keep people safe and not propagate the spread of COVID-19. Absolutely. It's heartbreaking. You just look at it. It's unbelievable. Almost, you know, in the truest sense of the word, it's unbelievable. Is the plan still to go live with hymns in August in Las Vegas? We are very hopeful, very hopeful that we will have a uh, in-person, a hybrid experience. But, you know, the last year has taught us, as we all know, I think so much about the choices we can make, the value of choices, collaboration, and the appreciation we have for the entire healthcare community in anticipation of the challenges and all the opportunities we've got. We are preparing. We really are several paths for delivering world-class education you've come to expect. We're able to see new product launches, all the cutting edge products at conference and all the solutions and all the wonderful networking opportunities. Again, we are very hopeful we're going to be able to come together in person for HIMSS 21. We are planning a live in-person event and a hybrid experience in Las Vegas. We, as we all know, so many people have gone through so much change over the last year and it, you know, it takes managed risk. You have informed conversations and working collaboratively with others. And those elements are going to be top of mind as we work through all of this with our members and our community and find a way to success and safety for all. That's what's most important. I think that this year has taught tolerance and resilience, whether people would be expecting it to be fully on, uh, fully in person. I'd give that a no, but that's not on you. That is this the situation. And I think that the fortunate thing is people have had practice over the last year of doing on uh, hybrid online conferences, whether it's smaller or even a little bit bigger, and they're learning. So I think you're in a better position this year, having potentially learned some tricks to the trade on virtual events. Yes. I think the world <laughs> has learned a lot about embracing, you know, the era of, of technology and utilizing virtual platforms to communicate and um, collaborate and work together over the last year and moving forward. Absolutely. There's been a lot of lessons learned. Moving on to proposals and acceptances and declines. Can you give me some numbers on submissions for this year? We were very pleased. We received 705 submissions. We just didn't know what to expect and, and how responsive the submitters would be, but we're very pleased at 705. We were able to accept about 24% of those. Usually we see somewhere between 26 and 28% that we are able to accept, but due to our social distancing guidelines and resizing of rooms, we did have some reduced capacity. We're still offering 16 concurrent sessions and 16 time slots across Tuesday through Friday for general conference education. It was obvious, I suppose, a new couple new categories, including pandemic response and telehealth and connected health, virtual health. Mm -hmm. I would imagine it was hard to limit those presentations. Oh, very, very good point. And yes, it's always difficult because we do have to make choices based on uh, the proposal submissions that we do have. And, and actually, each year, the Global Health Conference Education Committee takes a look at the proposed topic categories, and we do exactly as you observed. We add some categories, we may update categories, and we may delete categories. But with telehealth, 
Uh, that has been a category in the global conference agenda for at least the past two years. We've also added connected health and virtual health to that. And that was by far the largest number of proposals that we did receive in that category. And yes, pandemic response was a new category. And that came in with a resounding number of 60 submissions. And then cybersecurity, privacy, and security was a very popular category as well, where we did receive 69 submissions. But we made some other nuances to our agenda as well by including a research component in biomedical informatics. We also added academic preparation to our professional development and workforce development. And then we also added digital health transformation leadership. That is absolutely a very big topic as well. Cyber and privacy, that's a whole other podcast in and of itself, of course. There's no doubt about it. Lots of really good topics within that category. It's my understanding that even though someone may not get selected for a solo presentation, there will be opportunities potentially for panels, maybe to fill fill some slots there. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we really work to bring good content into other areas of the Global Health Conference. And certainly, you know, folks do like to present specifically in the Global Health Conference general education program, but we do have opportunities in ex- in the exhibition floor, in pre-conference offerings, and in other venues where they can share their thought leadership. A few years ago, large healthcare vendors I think had been dominating the show and then health IT startups came in the scene. Are you seeing the tables turning with the size of companies attending? No, not really. I I don't think we've seen a significant change in trend. I think what we've done is we we were starting to just see a a nicer balance with companies of all sizes um, and solutions being represented at conference. However, we do continue to see, I'd say some growth from a representation from startups as innovation continues to be such a big part of change in in managing healthcare. So we always look forward to having and calling out innovation throughout the conference. 2021 could be a good year for startups because they're seeing gaps. They're able to fill gaps. They can be nimble and they're starting off remote. I mean, there's a lot of maybe efficiencies for startups, just like when, you know, publications years ago started online because a lot of Publishers were going from print to online, but they started online. So once you start in the new era, I suppose you're at an advantage because you don't have that baggage. I think that startups may be driving this this industry a little bit. What do you think about that? I think absolutely. You know, and again, it's it's an I don't want to say it's a silver lining, but I hate to say that it's just happening now. Of course, it's been happening for quite some time now. Startups, just like businesses in general, you know, they're all having to change, look at their business models, if you will, and and look at the way they've operated. And, you know, and especially when you look at population health and, you know, pandemic response and supply chain and all of those things, there have been, I think, some incredible opportunities for new startups. So talking about social media at the conference, which is certainly another factor that's been growing every year, will you be nominating social media ambassadors? And will you be, because even though it'd be hybrid or because it will be hybrid, will that be a bigger factor in the show this year? Actually, we're positioning uh, social media ambassadors 
as influential change makers moving forward. Mm -hmm. So you will no longer hear that term of a social media ambassador, but we're doing this because influential change maker is a community of digital savvy folks who we can engage across the health ecosystem and provide broader opportunities. How many will you be nominating and or proposing? That number is currently being determined, but make no bones about it. Social media continues to be a way to enhance connection. And certainly if anything has taught us this, uh, the year 2020, as well as COVID-19, was marked by an increase in our engagement numbers. And we know that more and more users are relying upon social media uh, for thought leadership, industry news, as well as networking with other folks. It's, it's just a very, very good outlet for folks. I think so. And I think the people you choose are certainly just that influential change makers. I think that's a great name for it. And they're leaders. I mean, I follow a lot of them on social all year round and they have great things to say. You could tell they're a very tight knit group. I know many of them. I can say, which is nice, you know, having been at the show and been in the industry for many years, and they're a great group of people with a diverse background that have a lot of good ideas, and they're very welcoming in the community as well. They welcome ideas, and they promote that. Sure, and the the influential changemakers, they do bring context to the education of the conference, not only beforehand, but they do help continue the conversation moving forward. You know, we're very excited about, you know, the content that, you know, we'll continue to expect around noteworthy news, thought leadership, resources that can guide our future, and then even having a little bit of fun into the community and helping to unite one another after this, uh, this year that we've all experienced. Part of me can't believe there are people in companies in healthcare who have not attended HIPS, but I'm sure there are. Do you have any advice for first-time attendees, or do you think this year will hold them back? Well, first of all, actually, I think what, what folks may not realize is that about 40% of our attendee base each year, they're first-timers that attend. And when we do the orientation sessions, Joanne and I, I always ask the audience, because we get hundreds of people at those orientation sessions, you know, where have you been for all, all these years? However, when you think about it, the healthcare universe is massive, right? And with, you know, with a tremendous amount of stakeholders and with, as you pointed out earlier, the amount of innovation that continues to happen, I don't think any of us should be really surprised that we continue to grab new exhibitors with new product solutions or first-time exhibitors and attendees at the conference. But what I would suggest and what Joanne and I always suggest during our orientation sessions is that for anyone that's planning to attend, they need to source our website, right? They need to spend time to plan their time at conference. They need to look at the agenda online for education exhibition, and they need to pay attention to the filters. A lot of people miss those filters and how they can really deep dive into the program and really get to the most relevant opportunities and programs for them, including networking events and what really best fits their needs. It's a one-of-a-kind opportunity to spend a week learning from and collaborating with each other too. So that, you know, networking is really important. And as everyone knows, you know, the event, it hosts folks from all facets of the industry. You know, we've got clinicians and health system execs, policymakers, 
military health leaders that join us and patient advocates and other healthcare professionals from around the globe. About 7% of our attendees are generally international. Of course, we may not see as many this year, but in the in-person experience, but um, we do get a nice international representation. So, you know, we say plan ahead, join, uh, join us at conference and just enjoy the event. We also talk every year about some new things. You want to share some of the things you're excited about that might be new this year? We're planning for a hybrid experience. So you're going to see more around digital opportunities for attendees and um, more around curated experiences, I think, or we have this program called Circles that are curated experiences, and people can opt into those based on what their professional role or area of interest may be. Uh, we have a circle, for example, around emerging leaders that, you know, is very much focused on a curated experience for emerging leader students at conference. So so we have those and we're, we're working through all of those. You know, we've got a big focus on health and safety. You'll see a lot more around health and safety at conference, including in the program itself. I'm seeing some conferences originally scheduled for the middle to later in the year, already opting to go virtual. Uh, and only time will tell what event planners will consider for the future. Has the pandemic forced you to change your approach to planning HIMSS going forward? COVID has forever changed the events industry. And moving forward, you're, you're going to see much more of a focus on digital, much more of a focus on a hybrid event. The Global Conference will be a hybrid experience moving forward, which gives an opportunity to folks that are not able to attend the meeting in person to still be engaged and participate in all the wonderful programming and content we have at the Global Conference. You're going to see much more of a focus on health and safety, not just this year, but for many, many years to come. Yeah, and I also think from an educational opportunity, the topics that are coming out that have been proposed, certainly innovation is just amazing what some organizations are doing and how barriers have been removed. I mean, the uptake on implementing telemedicine has been phenomenal and how organizations were able to pivot from in-person implementation to a totally digital implementation. And there are just many, many lessons to be learned both now and into the future. One thing I like to ask of all our guests, if you weren't working at HIMSS, what type of career activities would you rather be doing? I actually would be perfecting my award-winning salsa and strawberry jam. I have won several awards locally and it's so much fun in the county fair. The state of Pennsylvania has a farm show and while I've, I've not won any awards for my salsa or my strawberry jam, two years ago I did place fifth for a photo that I took on a walk. So I certainly would be engaged in those types of activities. And I can attest to how delicious her salsa and jams are because she has sent me some of those and they are quite <laughs> delicious. I, I would be doing something in real estate. So um, it would be maybe around home design, house planning, that kind of stuff. Really enjoy it. Hims has grown so big. There are only a few conference venues that can accommodate the size. We've got Orlando, San Francisco, Las Vegas, and Chicago. I know you like to share the wealth in terms of location, but do you have a favorite location or are there benefits of one over another? 
I think they all bring different things to the table, if you will. You know, I think folks like to go to Vegas for different reasons than Chicago or Orlando. The nice thing is that we, at least, we do have the opportunity to go to venues in different regions of the country. So, you know, when we go to Las Vegas, we attract a little bit more of a Western region crowd sometimes versus a Midwest crowd in Chicago and Southeast in Florida. But they all work really, really well for us. One thing I can touch on is that you will see in Las Vegas, something that is new is a more of a campus approach. You know, it will help us with our health and safety plan for social distancing. But the WIN has expanded their meeting space. They have a beautiful convention center space now that we'll be using more so to complement the space and expand upon it, what we have at the Venetian Sands Palazzo. And then Caesars Forum Conference Center is directly adjacent, brand new venue. It's a conference center. It's adjacent to the Sands. Um, So we're utilizing that as well. So three venues to combine one event, the HIMSS Global Health Conference and Exhibition. So very much a different approach to being more of a campus-like approach. And another annual conversation wrapped up. Thank you so much, Joanne and Karen, for your time today. And I wish you all the best in your planning journey for the 2021 HIMSS Global Health Conference and Exhibition. It's scheduled for August 9th to 13th in Las Vegas. And check the website, www.hims.org slash events for updates. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Our thanks to Joanne and Karen for joining us on the Look Left at Marketing podcast. Next up, we'll have a conversation with Melody Kimmel, founder of MK Media Training, one of the country's leading media presentation and message trainers. We hope you'll subscribe to the Look Left at Marketing series on Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, we welcome your comments and suggestions for future episodes. Thanks again for joining us on this edition of the Look Left at Marketing podcast. Till next time, be well.